Hello. <laughs> it's us, and we're back with part three, and maybe four. I don't know. We'll figure it out. <laughs> I think it's three. I think we did two last yes. week. This is Movie Riches. Movie Riches. Yes. Richard and Richard. Richard and Richard. Indy. Two best uh, guys you'll ever know. <laughs> um, so the best movie buffs I know. You'd want hey. to know. Yeah, you'd want to know. I should say that you would want to know, never and you, you never will know. <laughs> we're gonna be huge. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have to live on top of the patrician hill and keep you plebes away. From <laughs> <laughs> yeah, highly doubt it. But this is just he's like been, Mean Girls. He's like we're super popular. <laughs> but this is this has just been good fun and. And Crystal gave us the opportunity to just talk about movies. I know that the last couple episodes that we did, they were our first ones. So I apologize if anything was said or movies might have been spoiled. We're just getting our... We're working on it. Yeah, we're getting our feel <laughs> here. This is, this is Rich and I's first, like, real movie podcast. So we're just trying to feel it out. and I let them go solo. <laughs> yeah, just kind of... Figure out what we're gonna do. So, wet your appetite. Yeah, but not it. yeah. We shouldn't probably spoil anything, and we did last week. Or at least, we, if we have to, we'll say spoilers. Leave the room now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> the problem was with last week, we would say spoiler alert after we spoiled the movie. I know. <laughs> so, so anyway, we're uh, we're gonna try to tone that back. Um, so, like I said, we're just starting out, and we will uh, redefine our our skills and. And, well, that's and our all that, combo yeah. <laughs> so we'll we'll get a little smoother with this, and and maybe even be a little quicker. Um, but last week, I believe we left off on number eighty-four in the top one hundred Slant Magazine's greatest horror movies of all time, and that was The Haunting. Yes. So we recap. I liked. Richard did not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I didn't see it. That particular one. So, now we're going to move into a movie from 1922. It's called, uh, how's it really pronounced? Haxon, right? Or, I believe it's pronounced Haxon. Yeah, Haxon. I, I, it's, well, it's a weird one. We don't know how that umlaut on the A works in Swedish. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. So yeah, if, you are, I, 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 if, you, if you are asleep, <laughs> let us know. Yes, because... I'm not entirely sure how that's pronounced. Now this uh, Hexen. 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 Makes a lot more sense. Yes, Hexen. That does make sense. So dealing right with here on Wikipedia. Yeah, deal, dealing with witchcraft. I guess Hexen it does. Actually, make. deals solely with witches. Yeah. yeah. So in 1922, you got to think about how long ago that was. This movie had a whole. And like I said, I'm not gonna try to spoil this for you, but we got to at least touch on some of this. Hexen, now that we know exactly how that's pronounced, <laughs> that movie is sold. When, you, when you're thinking of 1920s and silent film era type of stuff, you're thinking, you know, Nosferatu. I mean, and this was not a Hollywood movie. Yeah. This was an indie feature from this, Sweden. This, when it came out, played almost like a history lesson first, and then reenactment and, and dramatization second. It was like it taught you what you needed to know and then showed it on film. And there was a lot of weird stuff in this movie. <clears throat> I mean, from kissing a demon ass to nudity in 1922 to, I mean, I mean, you name it. There, there were. I believe they actually kissing his testicles. Yeah, well, they kiss his butt. They actually he lifts lifts his tail. It's like ass or ball kiss or whatever. But he, the demon is 
bent over. He's bent over. And I, I do know one interesting fact about this movie was that it went to be able to, for it to be able to be released, they had to cut out a few scenes that are now restored. So if you see it now, um, I believe there was a scene that involves an infant uh, being put in a vat. And there was some close-ups on people's faces while they're being tortured. They had to make. We're talking 1922 here. I mean, what did you feel about this? I mean, this is. I mean, this I movie mean, had some stuff that was pretty raw for that time period. I I, I think. I mean, it's not. How do I feel about this? The visuals are amazing. They hold yeah, up. They are. Uh, I mean, honestly, there's uh, there's some cinematography tricks in there that I've never seen before. Um, even in, I watch a lot of old movies that uh, not only hold up, uh, I mean, I'm shocked they didn't get stolen. I mean, the, the coins, you know, uh, there's a scene where there's coins tempting one of the witches, uh, and they're just magically floating around the room. I mean, it still looks amazing. Uh, the costume works fantastic. The, the, I'm, the use of I mean, it's the set pieces are fantastic. Some of the, co- I will admit, some of the costumes. Not all of them were, you know, were great to today's standards. But you got to think, nineteen twenty-two. This was this movie still. Well, they're not trying to be realistic. I mean, they, they're, they're like they were presented in that folky. Well, it's like type a mo- tale. What, what would you call it? A mockumentary. It, it was like a, it's like a, a like a documentary. I mean, I mean, I don't think it's done. It's you know, first time, it's a history lesson. I mean, you're yeah. getting you're basically getting the opinion of a self-professed historian. I mean, obviously. The guy has, he's not, he, he's, he pretends like he's a psychiatrist, but he's not. Mm-hmm. He's just some guy, uh, but he basically just takes you through the history of witchcraft before he presents his thesis on what he thinks it could have been. Yeah, It's it, basically something you could watch in college and think your professor put it together. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it visually, though, it's still nightmarish. It's got a very nightmarish quality to it. I, I, I loved it. Yeah, it, it was very interesting. And that, that's holding up. And well, learn I, a lot. I know I've said it a few times now, but 1922. I mean, we, we were having... And, and this is the best-looking movie of the time. Yeah, exactly. And it was totally... It has never been seen before at that point in time. I mean, not like this. Uh, you know, I think, too, is that what really takes it uh, above and beyond is they never try and do anything that they can't do. Yeah. You know, and they don't have to actually tell a story. So there's never that moment where whatever they're trying to show has to cut away or whatever. Mm-hmm. Everything's designed to you know, to look like what they're talking yeah, exactly. about. So I mean, it, looks, it looks amazing. Well, I mean, and like I was saying about the cut scenes, I guess now all the... I mean, I, I don't want to say all of them. I mean, if you're shopping on Amazon, but apparently a lot of the more modern cuts of this movie you can find are completely restored, so you'll get to see it in all of its full... Disturbing glory. glory. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I know for a fact that this, so. you know, has been. I saw at least some sort of restored version. I mean, I don't know the trivia of this movie, but I know when I watched it, I found it very interesting that my version ended with just the word "slut" written. Mm. <laughs> I'm assuming that's restored because that word was in yeah. English, yeah, and, and, and had nothing and. to do with the rest of the movie. I'm just gonna throw it out there. So if you see that version, that's the version I saw. I know there's like five versions. Well, I, I don't. I, and for 19, well, another piece of trivia about Hexen is um, it was one of the first movies of its time to include the word shit. And even though it, it's mal, you know, it's, it's worded, but it, no, it, I didn't it, catch that. Yeah, it actually includes shit. 
which you didn't see cussing in these movies back then. They had, you know, back in the day, they had their, you know, little, you know, Alfred Hitchcock era type of little, yeah. like, digs and innuendos and stuff, but they never full-out cussed. And so this movie was really ahead of its time, to be honest. And it still holds up good to this day. I, what would you give it? I mean, what do you think? Well, I mean, I, this isn't a movie. Mm. You know, well, I mean, it's not a movie in the sense of yeah. This is not. Yeah. This is most people out there are not going to like this mm-hmm. unless you want to one enjoy just some sort of film you're never going to see again, or two, you love being a cinephile and just want to see it, or three, you want to get stoned and just get lost in yeah, how trippy it is. But, I mean, it, this is not... There's no coherent storyline. Mm-hmm. It's a long-winded it's professor like a, basically like a, pontificating it really, it really is, and that's one complaint, I guess. I, I, I guess it's hour. It's like an hour and 30-something minutes. I mean, well, I, 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 as a lover of history and a lover of horror, really enjoyed mm-hmm. it. It was really... I, on a personal level... Uh, I'd give it four uh, riches. I mean, and I think as a film, it needs that four riches because I mean, there's nothing else I've ever seen like this. But on an enjoyment level, for most of you out there, unless what well, you're like I said, really into history, really into the idea, concept of witches, or really just want to see some film work you'll never see, you're not going to enjoy this. It's probably, slow. Probably it's not. It's plotting. Yeah. Would I you mean, put it on your horror movie list? I think if I was to put it on my list, this would be near 199, and it's only on there <laughs> for... I mean, there's nothing else like it, and probably what it did for the imagination is to create better movies, but this isn't going to be enjoyable for most people. No, and I'll, it, agree, I'll agree... I don't agree. think it would have been enjoyable back then for most yeah, people. Yeah, no, it was actually horrifying for people back then, because yeah. nothing like this had ever been made. To me, I wouldn't have this on my top 100. I appreciate what it is. In this particular movie, I don't even know if I'd give it. I mean, I guess I guess you got to look at it like it, it paved the way, like Rich was saying for for better films. But the visuals alone, and the fact that they held up for so long, I think. I mean, some of them are just yeah, amazing. I mean, and was, there's a clockwork toy in there. <clears throat> I don't know who built that thing. They mm-hmm. said it was from the 15th century. That shows all of hell and moving parts. That's kind of worth seeing, no matter what. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it's. Let's not mix words. It's it's a kind of a jacked up movie. I mean, but it's true. But at this, but at the same time, I, I don't know. Three and a half. Some type of movie you'd watch after you dropped ass. Yeah, well, you would want to. <laughs> but, uh, three, but, uh, three, you'd be that guy they found dead on the field because you killed yourself. You're like, oh my god. Like, but um, it's the devil. But I don't know. I, in my opinion, I mean, it is groundbreaking, but I can't say that I'd ever see it again. I'd say three and a half for me. We could come to a. I mean, like I, said, I think you gotta be, you gotta be, very, very interested in the historical aspect. Well, and if you remember how we, because how we kind of have a rating system, three and a half. I mean, that's still. That's fantastic. That's, that's good, but you, you still have to remember, even if you were to watch it and hate it, you, if you're a true horror movie fan or, or even a cinema fan, of any, you don't even have to be a horror movie fan to appreciate what this movie did. You, you still have to look at what, well, like I just said, what it did for film. 1922, I mean, this this thing still holds up today on some of its, some of its things. I mean, it was an achievement. Weird, but... 
I would say three and a half for myself. I mean, I don't know about you. You said four. I would go with a solid four. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you know, we got a five riches rating here, and I, I couldn't give it the max uh, even back then, just because I don't think the net. I, I don't think as a lesson, it's paced well enough to keep most people's interest. I mean, he opened. You know, the opening opens with like six minutes of him just talking about how ancients saw the world. There's nothing to do with witchcraft. Mm-hmm. That I have no idea why he put other than maybe just to paint people as superstitious so that way they could actually believe that the rest would be believed. But when you, you go in to watch a movie about witches and for six and a half minutes you're just staring at a globe learning how people look at the world. I, I just don't think it's pace one to be five. And, but at the same time, I mean, it's... I, I've seen a lot of silent movies. I like classic movies. For everyone out there, you're going to learn that I really do like classic movies. I've seen every single one on this list. I've never seen anything like this. This yeah. is trippy. And so, I mean, it's a, it's a masterpiece of film work. And so, I'm going to give four. All right. So, four riches. Four riches. For me. Three and a half. I, for well, well, we've got to narrow it down just because we're making... You know, I'll, I'll meet you at the four. I mean, like I said, it's not one I'd watch again. But... I think it's one. I think it's one you'd watch to show something. Yeah, baby. If if I knew anybody to show, yeah, but I, I, I can tell you, Crystal's not going to sit here and watch it. Yeah, <laughs> so, I know. I read the plot. I like witches. Well, I, I doubt you're going to hate. You know, the last one thing I do want to bring up, and I'll probably start giving. You know, if you're following along at home with these Slate magazine reviews here, the guy who brought up this review annoys me and then he talks about how there's all of this footage from insane asylums there's nothing like that in there by the way <laughs> i have no idea why he put that so if you are thinking about watching this movie for what he talked about don't read slant magazine yeah, slant, I'm sorry, slant. <laughs> yeah. slant, there's no way he watched this movie or finished the movie so i don't know why he picked it unless he's got a bad memory so that's not in there but there's stuff about the witches at the end that is in there is Interesting to see how people in the twenties were trying to figure out what witches might have been. That is interesting. Yeah. So, all right. So we'll we'll move on from that one, and that was four riches. Um, like I said, I can compromise with that one just because. Once again, it's it's it was groundbreaking for when it came out. Nothing like that had ever been done. I mean, somebody might come out of the woodwork. Oh yeah, it has. Well, let's face it. Nineteen twenty-two. No. Not with those visuals, not with the nudity, not with the first curse word, not with the witchcraft um, historical facts, the, the the costumes, the visuals that still hold up today. I'm the, sorry, there was the, nothing the like that. The interviews yeah. with women who were actually accused of witchcraft. Yeah, there was nothing. There I mean, was, they're all ancient in 1922, so they must have been accused in 1800 at some point. There was nothing like that done in 1922. I'm sorry. Um, so the next... Movie is actually something Rich and I are both familiar with from one of my actual favorites. So, this kind of moves into my territory. Rich likes a lot of the classics. I like classics in the sense of, you know, late 70s, 80s, uh, 90s, stuff like that. That's where a lot of my late 70s is the golden yeah, era of all films. Yeah, so those that's where I started really picking up a lot of my my horror movies and stuff like that. I have seen classics, don't get me wrong, all the Hitchcocks and stuff like that, but but there's not an 80s horror film that I haven't seen unless it's extremely obscure. Um, 
I mean, I, you're talking to the guy that's seen the necromantics and all this stuff. I mean, I've seen a lot of nasty stuff. Um, well, it's children of the 90s. Those yeah. 80s movies were so cheap yeah, so expensive. Yeah, exactly. I saw some things I never should have seen. I still regret to this day. But, you know, Rich has a little bit more of an expertise when it kind of goes down into the 60s and stuff. I really like the Mario Bava stuff, and I haven't seen any of those. You know, Blood and Black Lace and, and uh, Bay of Blood, which we talked about last week. But we're kind of we're getting into some familiar territory here with the next few movies um, for the both of us. And In the Mouth of Madness, 1994, um, John Carpenter, which is one of my favorite directors. I love John Carpenter. You know, I don't know if the thing, I haven't, I didn't see the thing on this list. Is it? No, spoiler alert, both the things are on this list. That's right. Well, John Carpenter's. Is going to be a long time away. That's yeah, how good it is. that's how good it. That's one of my favorite all-time John Carpenter horror movies of all time. Spoiler for when we get there, but you're going to probably hear us talk a long time. Yep, that, that was, <laughs> I love I love that movie. Well, we'll get to it when we get to it. Now, in the Ma- mouth of madness is actually one I really like, um, and this stems from my own um, fandom for H.P. Uh, Lovecraft. And this particular movie really dives deep into things that are very Lovecraftian. If you, mm-hmm. for all you that are out there that like the Cthulhu, you know, mythos and all that kind of stuff. Um, basically, I'll just quick synopsis. You know, uh, man, uh, is he? He's actually an investigator looking for a missing author, who is very Lovecraftian. Does a lot of things like that. We're talking, you know, cathedrals. We're talking weird creatures. We're talking all this stuff. Who ends up getting involved in a mystery type horror, um, trying to find this author? Where, uh, well, I, I, I don't want to spoil it for you, but he starts finding out more about the author than than anybody thought he'd find out. I mean, the, I, the movie is fantastic. I mean, in my opinion, mm-hmm. I mean, start you know. He's in a in a sane asylum uh, in the mo- in the beginning of the movie and starts telling his tale to the doctor that comes in there and and uh, you just it, the movie is basically a, a a recount of what caused him to get into that asylum and and honestly if it happened to any of us we'd probably be there too <laughs> you know what I mean I mean the creatures. I mean the thing in the in the greenhouse and in all this stuff that happens in there. I mean so Lovecraft, and and Rich knows that I'm a huge fan of Lovecraft. So th- this tickled all my right buttons. So <laughs> I, I I really enjoyed it, and I'm trying to dance around because I, I could just tell you the entire thing, but I'm not going to because if you do get a chance to see this, uh, it is worth your time. Sam Neill, you know you, get, you know for people that aren't horror fans, you probably know him from Jurassic Park. Um, he's been in a lot of different things. Merlin. Uh, Merlin, Dead Calm, if you saw the Nicole Kidman, I um, like Dilly Dead Zane. Calm. That is a very, yeah. very underrated thriller. Yes. But, but, but you know, it, the movie, like I said, I, and I'll let Rich talk here and say, it's just, to me, and, and in Slant Magazine's review, they're, they're bringing up Stephen King. It, 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 they're saying it's a Stephen King satire. But let me tell you something right now with the way that this movie portrays creatures, the old cathedrals, the madness, the the towns, you know, that are devoid of any type of, of life. And it just, it, 
that is complete HP Lovecraft stuff. So this guy is a little, a little uh, misguided on this review. I don't think this is a Stephen King satire. I think this is a HP Lovecraft satire, if you can even call it a satire, because I, I feel you know. I mean, I learned a little bit, but the movie, you know, I could see why someone would think it's a Stephen King. Uh, satire because you know he's supposedly chasing this fantastic world's greatest horror author that's just disappeared off the face of the earth you know in that one defense but for all of you future fans of this podcast going forward here's a little factoid for you if you want to remember this is the first horror movie this rich ever saw Mm -hmm. I saw this with my dad of all people if you we will learn to find out when we talk about movies. My dad hates horror. I have no idea why he rented this movie. And I watched it with him. No idea why he let me watch it with him. And I remembered this movie ever since. Uh, this is one of my all-time favorite horror <clears throat> movies. Um, everything Richard is spot on. And I 100% agree about... This is actually the best Lovecraftian film ever made. If you've read... The stories. Exactly. This is for people who have read Lovecraft. You know, Lovecraft has gotten in the pop culture, and everyone knows the imageries and the Cthulhu's and all that, and they like them, just like everybody pretends to like a lot of things. Not saying you don't actually like it, but unless you actually read the source material, and be honest with yourself, if you have, you haven't. But if you have, this will be your favorite Lovecraft horror movie. This is like the story that he would tell if he was alive and writing and in the make 90s. Yeah. Yeah, and this, uh, for me, um, is too low on the list. Yeah, I, I believe, this, I agree yeah, with that. Yeah. This is the best translation of the concept yep. of cosmic horror mm-hmm. I've ever seen on film. And really, and, and he is he's absolutely yeah. right, because... Um, you know, and, and like he said before, I understand why why some people might think it's a Stephen King thing, but that's for the people that don't know Lovecraft. Yeah, they know the creatures and they don't see them in exactly. this. I mean, uh, maybe a possible spoiler alert here, but there are creatures that come out of a, a cathedral abyss. There are, there are, there, and one thing that H.P. Lovecraft dealt with a lot in his in his stories. You know, he did a lot of short stories. But one thing that he really touched on a lot was madness, which yes. a lot of madness. Um, Dagon and I, everything. I mean, that one a little less on the well, madness, but, also, but but everything had a mental, you know, a mental yeah. break somewhere. Uh, people would lose their minds because they would see these these abysmal creatures. You know, these these freaks from the abyss. Things from dimensions. Yeah, that you can't dimensions you can't count. Uh, gods, old gods, and, and, that, that's, and how, that's that's exactly what this movie and how it ha- with. Yeah. and how it handles it. Yeah, it, it shows him seeing things you do not get to see on film. Yep, that exactly. are implied. And this, you know, this is a spoiler, but not really. It might even say on the back of the movie. This movie literally starts to delve into what is real and what is not real. Yep. Who is real and who is not real. To the point where three-fourths through the movie, you might not even understand what the hell is going on. But yep. you're loving every second of it. And that's the sign yep. of a really good movie. And that is total Lovecraft. Yeah. And so to me, this is actually one of... This is up there with one of my top favorite horrors. I revisit this movie once a year. Yeah. So I love it. I have actually made people... Watch this movie on dates. Yep. Because I tell, I, you know, and it has gotten multiple people 
late. That's how good this movie is. <laughs> well, and, and you know, you're listening to some guys that have seen some really outlandish stuff. I mean, I mentioned Necromantic earlier. You know, but there's a difference between watching obscure video nasties, which I actually was hoping that one day we will get to a video nasties list because I've seen many of those. But there's a difference there. Those movies were either made uh, for shock, for shock's sake, or you know they had really heavy religious. This this was just this was the embodiment of what H.P. Lovecraft was. Mm-hmm. He, a lot of what is in there. Now, not the entire film. So you watch, oh, you know, there might be some of this movie you don't like, and you'll say, oh, these people. But no, do yourself a favor if you read. Read a couple of his, of, you know, At the Mountains of Madness, Call of Cthulhu. You know. Yeah, I mean, this is for, <clears throat> this is for readers of yeah, Lovecraft. Yeah, people exactly. that are in the... <clears throat> you, will, you, will get, yeah. you will get the subtle... Um, Connections to his books. Yeah, this in this is, movie. Yeah, yeah. This is not for the Lovecraft crew that's into the the visuals and the culture of it. There's no star spawn or anything like that. There is no, you know. No, but if you've actually read it, this is a fantastic movie, and I give this. I mean, honestly, I give this five riches. I'd give it a five. It's five for, that, That's an easy five for me because I love this movie. Um, and like I said, you could, you, you know, everybody's got their own opinions. You could disagree with this, but this is movie riches, and this is something that we both agree on. This this movie, but I understand too if you're a little younger, and you haven't, you know, cultures change, and reading is, you either like to read or you don't. I know that's becoming a bigger divide. Listen to someone explain it. Yeah, you know, I mean, hey, I got kids. That's and, what I, they do. And, and I'm not, <laughs> and I'm not even talking shit. This is just true. I mean, no, read, yeah. reading's kind of the digital age is here, and people would rather watch. But but the thing is, to really enjoy this movie, you have to realize that this is coming from a source that was written a long time ago, and it's not not, not the movie itself. That the, there's not an in the mouth of madness from H.P. Lovecraft, but it takes a bunch of of concepts. different yes concepts from his different stories and kind of just mashes them in. I was gonna say mm. I was gonna chime in because I've never seen it, but <laughs> I've been just kind of like while you guys are going along, I'm like just Wikipediaing all this stuff, just kind of get uh-huh. an idea. And it says the exact same thing is that it takes all the works of like H.P. Well, Lovecraft, and so I don't know where you got the Stephen King, but that's just me. No, I, 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 mean, I, I, read. I see. I but I unlike the last guy, I give this guy intellectual honesty in that. He's probably never led Lovecraft. He's yeah. read some Stephen King. Yeah. He sees... And it does borrow on the motif of Stephen King for the intro. Because the concept, he's hired to find the greatest or yeah. author who no one's ever seen. It would be like a Stephen King no one's ever seen they want to find. Yeah, right. and, I can, and I understand that. I, I do understand. I just so, I mean, to if point you, it out is yeah. that even and, Wikipedia is like, and, 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 and if this guy did read a lot of Stephen King, Stephen King borrows a lot from Yeah, Lovecraft. and he will admit it. Yeah. He actually came out... See, I don't know... The, the factoid, I, the only modern huge horror author who doesn't like Lovecraft and never borrows anything, Richard Matheson. So Richard, you hate Richard Lovecraft. Matt, yeah, don't <laughs> read Richard Matheson. <laughs> but he you know, hates him too. But King actually put a book out that was so Lovecraftian um, not too long ago. I mean, it's been some years now that I read. It's called... See, I don't know what our copyright... I don't know if... We can, we can name stuff, I'm sure. We can name stuff, just yeah. not people. Well, like, people we know. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> he, he put out a book, uh, I think it was from a Buick 8, um, that I read that was complete Lovecraft. And he, he'll full-out admit it. 
So, I mean, that was that was about as Lovecraft as I've ever seen Revival, him Revival, which I just read, yeah. is probably the best Lovecraftian full-length novel have, I've read. Have you, have you read From a Buick Gate, though? I have not. You need to, because that's about as Lovecraft as I've ever seen yeah, him I, mean, I read Revival. All right, so, five. I mean, I know... I know, like I said, some of you might not get it, but you, you're, it's one of those tough ones for the two of us because it we've means, both read, we're both readers, so... I will say, we'll, we'll save this even if you haven't read I know you're thinking, oh, I've never read it, will I really like it? This is a good movie, period, one. Yeah. But then, two, this, if you're into just pop culture horror, all things right now are kind of what the, what's that key word everyone uses? Meta. Meta. And there is yeah. very much a meta sense in this movie... Once it is revealed, the total plot kind of comes to fruition starting about Act 2.5 of the movie, and you realize everything that's going on, you're going to appreciate those aspects. And I think that's actually why this movie didn't do so well, is because without having read Lovecraft, kind of invent, like, the people seeing that were like, what is going on with this movie? Like, what's real, what's not real? Whereas now we're so used to that, I think this will be enjoyable. This one's an age. This is gonna be like a fine wine. It's only gonna fine get fine wine. Yeah, I fine agree. Fine, which is all arranged. No, I I totally agree. I mean, I, I just, but I, I but we're gonna have to move on. I, you see, that's the problem. When we hit movies that <laughs> you guys like, yeah. Well, but you know, but gloss over movies here and there. But I mean, this is one. But that, it, we really deserve. I the also attention. think that we're giving it extra attention because this movie is severely yeah, underrated. It like, really I, is. This belongs higher on the list. And I am truly shocked it doesn't have a cult following that really keeps it in the media. Yeah, and, and John Carpenter himself, I mean... Uh, this is his second best movie, in yeah, my opinion. You know, and he, better than he, he has. I will agree with that. And, and that might divide some people, but honestly, you got to kind of, you know, you got to kind of grow with the director. Halloween was a fantastic slasher, but at the same time, you know, this director grew and started doing, you know, works that were completely uh, like the thing, which we'll the get thing to. The thing is his best. Movie. Yeah, which we'll, which we'll get to. But you got to sometimes have to follow a director and grow up with him. Um, and although Halloween's got a cult status like not many movies do, there are movies from this same guy that are just way above and beyond. But our next movie is another favorite of mine. I really enjoy this film. This is called Near Dark. Made in 1987 by Catherine Bigelow. I'm going to throw it. It's number 81. Yep. Catherine 81. Bigelow, European Now, gigolo. I have seen Near Dark probably 20-something times over the last, you know, since I bought it. I mean, I like Near Dark. Um, it's uh, a very moody film it's a vampire film it's done a little bit differently it's not like your standard vampire movie there's no fangs there's no this this movie plays out more like a road film almost like natural born killers not anything like that not not in the i know that sounds kind of contradictory i don't i don't mean like natural born killers was in its own league it had its own feel um, style but no, it's, I, but, I, it's but you know what I mean. It, it's it's a road. Psycho's on the road. Yeah, it's a psycho on the road type of film. Um, uh, a young cowboy um, ends up uh, meeting a uh, pretty girl out one night when he's when he's out out on the town. Ends up getting involved with her 
um, tries to bring her home. Um, they start making out. Uh, she starts saying some weird things while she's outside, like, listen to the night. Um, it's deafening. You know, just really, really cryptic things. Um, with a very, and I will say this, one thing I really like about Near Dark is the soundtrack. It has a very good soundtrack. And um, it's just, just very moody. And so he, she ends up having to run off. You don't know why. She nips him. And this, this is all kind of in the summary, so I'm not really spoiling this. But basically he... Uh, well, an he, intro's an intro. Yeah, exactly. He starts to um, exhibit signs of, of whatever these people were are, which we all know they're vampires. Vampires. Um, vampire. The vampire. No more garlic on your yep. And... He ends up going with them. They kidnap him. He doesn't go with them. They they actually abduct him on his farm and steal him. And their their first their first uh, idea is to kill him. Because they're like, we don't need another one. Well, they decide to give him a chance, and, and it turns into a road movie where they're basically trying to force him to feed. To me, this movie, you know, I had Bill Paxton. It had Lance Hendrickson. It had it had all these guys that I I. Uh, Respect anyway in movies, but rest in peace, Bill Paxton. Um, it was a great, it was a very good vampire. It's actually one of my favorite vampire movies, uh, besides Bram Stoker's Dracula. Obviously, you heard us talking about Dracula last week. I love that movie, but this is one of my top favorites, though. Uh, it does it in such a different way. There's a humor to it, but also a grotesqueness to it. Like, they're, they're, um, there are parts like where you almost like start to to uh, side with them. It's almost it, you know I, I don't know. It's 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 weird. You almost start to root for them, but at the same time they're so grotesque in what they do that you start to hate them. And and it kind of gives you it's like a vampire uh, uh, devil's rejects almost. You know they're they're out on the road. They're just doing what they have to do. They don't care who they hurt. Well, I think devil's rejects like all things. Rob Zombie. Yeah, bars, of course. I'm just kind of giving an example of something that's uh, more modern that you guys might know. So if you liked that kind of stuff. And they go on the road, and the only person that has any moral compass is is the the the, the team that they abduct after he was bit, you know, and he just can't do it. He can't feed. He can't do this. And they keep pushing him and pushing him. But at the same time, even though he wants to go home, he starts to develop um, almost like a what would you say um, he almost wants to please them Stockholm Syndrome yeah Stockholm Syndrome he, yeah, that's, almost, yeah that's pretty much right he, he almost gets a Stockholm Syndrome of sorts where when he finally does do things that they like and they start to praise him for it he's all for it well the movie starts you know moves into territory where his family gets involved and blah 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 and and uh Things take a, a turn for the worse. I, I this movie to me was was a very um, I, I I almost want to say beautiful movie. It had it had very good the music, the the night monologues and everything that they had in there was really was really uh, it was really cool to me. I, I I really enjoyed it. And for you guys that don't know, this um, director also did Point Break, which was a Another movie of mine that I like. So she's just she was just a good 
a good director, and I think she took it in the right direction. Go mm -hmm. ahead. I mean, she eventually won that Oscar for yeah. that, uh, Zero Dark Thirty. Zero Dark Thirty, yeah. But, uh, you know, I think if you hit my opinion kind of on the head where you were talking about Ezra Pax and Lance Anderson, you know, this is one of those movies that was lost for a while. There's yeah. a couple on this list that were lost for a while. Is that a print? Yeah. I personally think that that helps... With the the mo you know the the movie gaining traction and getting bigger because for me I think I I like this movie I'm not gonna, so uh, don't get me wrong I really enjoy this movie but I don't think it is amazing I I, still I think the actors you know they carry all their own personal weights from better projects that make you like it but it is a cool concept. It is well done, but I don't think anything in it's particularly filmed fantastic. I do agree the soundtrack is very good. It's amazing. Uh, yeah. But I don't think it is an amazingly filmed movie. It's not incredibly paced. This plot, the plot's pretty simple, which, if you like road films, yeah. and you like what he Richard was talking about, you're going to enjoy this movie. Yeah, I it, like. It was absolutely I, a road film. Oh, I like yeah. this movie a lot. Don't get me wrong. But, I mean, I don't know, though... 100 greatest horror movies if I would put this on the list. I would put this in my 100. So that's where we kind of differ. I, I do have a soft spot for Near Dark, and maybe it is a personal feeling for the movie. Yeah. I mean, it could have been when I watched it, it connected me, to me in some way. I feel like a lot of the enjoyment from this movie is derived from the fact as kids who grew up on these actors, after they all had kind of gone on and become faded away movie stars or just never seen again, this movie all of a sudden comes out of the vault and we get to relive childhood. Yeah. And get to relive this style movie filmed this way. I don't know if this movie comes out in the early 90s if it has the same impact. Well, Because just, if for, for well, us, it, it was a time capsule. Well, and it reached cult status, so I know it's got a different... But here's... Well, I, mean, I still remember when you found it. <laughs> yeah. By the way, Richard here found it. Showed it to us. I, I mean, I don't. Even, I love every moment of it. But a lot of me, when I was just thinking about a hundred greatest movies, a lot of that nostalgia is why I loved it. I don't it know. It was getting to see a great movie that you know had all of the elements we grew up on. I mean, and it most definitely is. A, you have to like a road film to like this movie. But I would still put this. Side. See, I buy movies only when I now. If you looked at my movie shelf, there are some bullshit on there which I had not bought. <laughs> but um, Black Devil Doll. But yeah, Black Devil Doll. <laughs> being one of them. But uh, but even that had some comedic value. But uh, typically, when I collect horror, and I mean real horror, not we're not talking remakes and stuff like that. I don't buy that stuff unless it's something I know I'm going to watch and watch and watch. And I think you watch it twice. Exactly, and I've seen Near Dark many times, and I like it. There's something that synergizes with me well. And, and it's, in whatever particular mood I'm in, uh, sometimes I want to watch that film. And it could even just be the soundtrack, but there's something about it. I like the. To me, I would put this on my top 100. Would I rate this above um, In the Mouth of Madness? Absolutely not. Wow. But would I give it a three and a half? Yes. Oh, I, would. I, I give this a three and a half, yeah. which is two. Yeah, three and a half. I'm not saying this is my favorite film. 
But at the same time, I really, really like this movie. And there's something about it that calms me down, which is weird since it's kind of a violent movie. But it, like I said, it could be the soundtrack mixed with the acting, mixed with the... With, it may be even the nostalgic feel. Of, there's something I like about it that I can't quite place my finger on. I will say, so, as a personal aside about the feel of this movie... Mm-hmm. If you typically don't like vampire movies, because, you know, this guy, you know, let's be honest, there's different things for different people. Like, I personally don't like exorcism movies, but there's ones I like. Yeah. If you personally don't like vampire movies, you still watch this one. Because, honestly, this is more of a movie where I'm shocked that the creatures weren't werewolves and not vampires. It is not your typical vampire film at all. It really really is not. So if you typically don't like them, this might be the one that you'll like. This is the one I like. Mm-hmm. You know, like with me, I, I personally dislike, uh, you know, uh, exorcism movies. But there is one particular one, which I'll bring up later during another movie we're talking about, so I'm not going to say it. But, you know, it's this is one I recommend for try. I mean, this is a great movie. This is really fun to watch. Yeah, you like it. Especially if you were born in the 80s, early 90s. You grew up on the Predators and the Alien type film work and, you know... You never got to see this movie because I don't... What, what you got this to, what, on uh, 2001? Yeah, I got it a long time. Right, right when they first got it back into um, circulation. <laughs> you no, know, that's probably more like 2005. It was right when they finally got it back into DVD circulation. Well, I'm saying, most of you yeah. probably have never seen it because of that reason. This is literally getting to relive your childhood. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, it, it is. So, like I said, one of my favorites, um, it would be in my top 100. Would it be down low? Probably not. I mean... There are some. There still are some movies that are like. I mean, I have movies that are so far. To, yeah, so I, far. I, uh, I but, personally wouldn't put it, but I, I'll say this: I would not scoff at someone for putting yeah, it. Yeah, it's definitely. This is no climax. It would not be. It would not be one number one hundred for me either. I, I like I said, I watch it enough and love it enough to where it would be low on the list or high on whatever, however you want to look 70s-ish. at seventies ish. 60s probably. Oh, so much higher here. That, yeah. Hey, so, I mean, don't know. This movie's got a vibe to it. I personally, though, I don't know. It's it's a vibe that I really enjoy. Yeah. So, all right. So we got our rating on that one. Um, so this next film, just like last week, this is one from uh, Mario Bava that I have not been able to watch. And actually, I compiled the list because this particular list that was chosen, it, it's moving out of the year range that I usually watch. And I know that I was kind of talking about this last week. I, I've seen many, many, many horror films, but you know where I lack is I don't go back too far out of the 70s. And so Bava is one of those ones I haven't seen. I don't even know if I've seen any of his films, to be honest with you. And I compiled a list of places to watch these films, and I just didn't have enough time from last week to this week to actually to watch them. So I, I got a couple in, which I'm about to get to one. Uh, but this is going to be more of Richard Forte here. The other Rich. Uh, <laughs> this one's called, it's number 80. It's called Kill Baby Kill, made in 1966. Um, and if you guys don't remember, Bava, Mario Bava is the one that he talked about Bay of Blood last week. And I don't know if we hit another one of his last nope, week. No, we just talked Bay of Blood. But uh, I know there's a couple more of his. So as these weeks are going on, because, you know, obviously we're doing a podcast. We can't just be like, liked it, move on. Liked it, move on. Hated it. We're going to talk about it. So this top 100 is going to take a little while. Um, hopefully I'll be able to bone up on some of these movies before next week's um, episode. I already, like I said, have watched a few 
that I had never seen um, in preparation for this, but we haven't gotten, I don't even know if we're going to hit that tonight. Um, well, let's, but I did not get the kill baby kill, so this is going to be rich. I don't really have any opinions of this one because I have not seen it. I don't know any trivia about it. All right. So we're going to hand it over to to the other rich. You know, since uh, you're older rich. than me, you should be primo rich and I'll be dos rich. Yeah, let's there say you that. Go. I'll, primo be, rich. I'll be primo rich. Or I'll yeah. be secundo. So this is dos rich. Yeah, secundo. dos rich. Dos rich. <laughs> All right. So let's see. Kill Baby Kill is a fantastic movie. Um, I know I talked a lot about how terrible Bay of Blood is and I don't understand why it's on the list and all of the problems with it. That is the exact opposite with Kill Baby Kill. Kill Baby Kill might be his best movie because it has all of the elements you want to like in a Bay of Blood but toned down uh, the crazy camera work the tricky angles, the moodiness, uh, the eccentric characters, um, you know, who are chosen not just for their acting ability, but their physical traits, and then accentuated. And all of it comes together for this movie. This might be one of the best Italian horror movies ever made. It's going to hold up forever because of the film work. Because of how creepy and stylistic the choices are. And I know I said during A Bay of Blood that Mario Bob is one of those actor, uh, directors that they always say if he had had a giant budget, you know, everyone would know his name and think he was the greatest director. And then A Bay of Blood completely proves that wrong. Well, I disagree with my own sentiment with Kill Baby Kill. I, this movie, I don't, like I said, I don't go into a movie but one, uh, knowing anything about it. I try not to, so I keep an open mind. But then once I like a movie, or really dislike a movie, try and learn as much as I can. Kill Baby Kill ran out of money during production. And is one of those films that everyone fil finished voluntarily. And when you think about that, and you watch the movie, how the hell did he pull this off? Uh, particularly, the greatest shot, maybe in Italian horror, is... The twisting swing shot where the ghost child is looking through the window at the man who just entered town. I mean, there's just it's just amazing. Uh, you're gonna. I don't, I don't think there's a person out there would dislike this movie. It might be a little slow for a small minority, but I think they'd be able to get through it because of how awesome it looks. I mean, it's gorgeous. It was just a gorgeous movie. The set design is amazing. It is how you envision a gothic mystery. Like, when you're reading a gothic horror story and you're envisioning everything, that's how Kill Baby Kill looks. The story, it's not a giallo because, honestly, the, the mystery, there is a mystery, but there is no attempt to really solve the mystery. It gets interrupted. You, you'll get a conclusion... And I'm not going to ruin, the, you know, what that is. But it is secondary to just terror. You know, and it's a classic 60s, 70s terror. Uh, but it holds up because it looks amazing. Uh, you're going to love it. And I think this is, a, this is a four and a half riches for me. I recommend if you're going to watch one Mario Bava movie, you watch this. If you're going to try out Italian horror, 
this is a great place to dip your toe and if you like period pieces or any story where some man is going to a little village that is being terrorized I mean this is this has got to be on your list which I mean that's a core well, what's a uh, that is like a archetype of itself you know there's hundreds of those types of four movies. and a half riches four and a half riches I love to kill baby kill all right well four and a half riches for the Bava film and you know I'll end up getting around to watching some of these um, like I said I, I'm trying to catch like I said before I'm trying to catch up it's just you know with work and everything else it's kind of hard but I I am able to I know this is like a little second job yeah it's like a second job <laughs> but I, I am but but like I said uh, some of these things just weren't in my wheelhouse and I will throw this out yeah. I forgot to say this despite its name Kill Baby Kill can be watched with your children. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, oh. No, it's rated R. Yeah, yeah, but, but there's 66 rated R. There is a lack of nudity mm. and extreme violence that is in a lot of Italian horse. It actually makes this movie, in my opinion, better. All right. Well, now we're starting to get back into stuff that I know. I know this one. Yeah. Well, I showed you, did I? Yeah, I showed her that. So, 1981, number 79, The Howling. Now, I have some opinions about this movie. Because I, above vampires, like, you would think that listening to Rich and I talk about Dracula and talk about Near Dark and everything else, that I have this, you know, hard boner for fucking vampire movies. But I really don't. I've always, I mean, I do, but but not, I have always liked werewolf films, even since I was a kid, whether it was The Wolfman, whether it was... And as I started getting a little older and, and I was able to see some of the adult werewolf films, and one of the other ones is actually on this list coming up, The Howling uh, was a movie that I saw when I was pretty young, actually way younger than I should have been, because The Howling actually deals with a lot of um, things beyond werewolfism, like, you know, lycanthropy or whatever you want to call it. I mean, we're talking about rape, we're talking sexual assault, we're talking... Um, all kinds of different things in here, but first and foremost, it is a werewolf film. And one that has a very notable um, special effects team that worked on this. It has probably one of the most grotesque, even above one of the ones that's on our list a little bit higher, um, American Werewolf in London. I I, ha, I will say that this movie contains some of the most graphic, ridiculous werewolf transformation scenes that I've ever seen put on film. Um, I haven't seen. I mean, there is a there's a character in this movie named Eddie um, that you actually see fully transform into a wolf, and it is a bubbly, disgusting, slimy mess. Yeah, I wrote know, that down. I yeah, thought that it was yeah. the best werewolf uh, transformation is probably, I think I've ever I, I seen. Will give, now, the story itself, um, as an intro, uh, a reporter is meeting up with a stalker, uh, somebody that keeps calling her. Um, he, she ends up meeting up with him in a, uh, in a porn theater where basically he wants to... Uh, basically reveal his true self to her and he starts to he ends up getting gunned down by the police um mystery ensues she's horrified she's got some sort of 
you know, stress disorder, PTSD from the event. They go to a retreat to try to get her better. Um, her husband, uh, they're not, their sexual relationship's gone down the toilet. He's desperate, angry. She's disturbed, uh, traumatized. And they basically end up going to a camp full of, and like I said, hate to spoil anything, um, but come on, let's face it, this would probably be in any IMDb summary you read, goes to a camp full of um, werewolves. And they have a little commune there, a little community, and things just take a turn for the worse for the two, the husband. Yeah, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't want to ruin too much, but I will say with this movie, in my opinion, holds a special place in my heart because um, it really was probably, truly, once again, repeating myself here, but it had probably one of the best werewolf transition scenes I've ever seen. Some people, you know, some of the storyline is a little bit cheesy. I will admit, some of the acting is a little bit cheesy. I mean, it was kind of on the lower budget end on, on um, who they got for actors because I think they put all their money <laughs> into their special effects. <laughs> but, but of course, D. Wallace well, Stone. To D. interrupt, but, but if D. you ever wanted to see basically an Angelina Jolie lookalike with a yes. better body yes. and completely nude, yeah, see, this is the movie. That is where I was this going, and, he, and he told me not to spoil it. It does involve the husband. Sorry, spoiler. But I will tell you this. That, does, that didn't involve the scene. I'm just like, you know. Yeah, yeah. She does, and she is hot. I won't lie to you. And there's plenty of nudity. I think she's better looking in every way. In fact, when I was a child, I thought she was her mom. Oh, well, well. When I, when I watched this, I think I was 12. So you can imagine the what? kind of debauchery that happened when I saw wow, this. this, this movie. And my parents did not allow me to see this. I was able to actually get a copy of this movie from somebody at school. I'll tell you what. Maybe I, yeah, I think I was 12. And I'll tell you what. Uh, that scene makes every, every young boy happy. But that being said, it, I think it has some of the most... Um, Honestly, com even compared to some of the greats like Landis's uh, American Werewolf and, and all that kind of stuff, there and of course we're we're going to get to that movie. It's higher up on the list. Um, uh, that had some, but but we're talking about the Howling, and I will I will say this that even though there were some cheesy scenes in this movie, um, it revolutionized. The, the werewolf transformation. I mean, because, you know, when you watch the old classic, now the Wolfman and things like that, and I saw a couple uh, 70s werewolf movies, they did, they couldn't touch this on the transformation scenes. They just couldn't. I mean, it was disgusting. It was almost grotesque to watch. Well, I mean, that's where the horror comes from. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you would think that, you know, like you watch movies nowadays like Twilight and, you know, or even, even uh, Underworld. They, they just go, and they just become wolves. And then... These movies, and even American Werewolf in London, show the transformations as a grotesque, painful... Um, I was just going to say, know, this one looked yeah, very yeah, painful. Horrible experience. Well, this is, this yeah. is where the horror comes from. Mm -hmm. I mean, these... If you're going to be a logic whore, you're going to go, well, why is she just sitting here waiting out this incredibly long transformation? But... That's really the whore in this movie. Yeah. The transformations are better than most horror movie kills, and she sits there and watches every element of it, and it's fantastic. Well, I mean, and, and you look at well, and you look at modern movies now, I and mean, people just kind of morph into things. But mm -hmm. you got you got to think. 
I mean, these movies and multiples, and like I said, we'll get to the other one a little a little further down on the list. You or think that yeah, or well up, yeah. I mean, we're going, we're we're <laughs> counting down, but we're going, uh, you know, we're, we're but um, what do you think that you're going to turn in to an animal that your bones aren't going to have to change, that your fingers aren't going to elongate, that your back is going to change? I mean, it's an extremely painful thing. Now, now, Eddie, the the one of the main villains. There's a few villains in this movie. I won't give it up. Eddie is one of the main people. This is the one that tried to assault her in the beginning. Um, or at least, I think he loved her. He's obsessed with her. You'll find, if you watch this, you'll find out. But um, he did it, I think, out of a perverse love for her. And so I don't think he ever really planned on killing her. I think he wanted to change her into a wolf um, so that she would be with him. Mm-hmm. When you see the actual transformation of him, though, he is sick enough. To where he, you can tell in his face that he enjoys what's happening to him. Like when you look at Eddie when he changes, he's, I mean, he he likes it. But most other people, even in this movie, don't like the feeling or the sensation. Yeah, that, this is this is a this has elements of body horror yeah, in this movie, big time. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, I also have a very special place in, the, in my heart for this movie. I also saw very young. In fact, we share a group of friends. We shared for a long time, and I remember being super excited when the special edition of this came out on DVD. That's how old yeah, we went to our And I bought it. It was <laughs> the first time it had been on DVD and uh, I remember bringing it over and for everyone pretty much in that room it was the first time they'd seen it. And to see everyone's reaction in that change, that in itself was pretty awesome. But, you know, I don't think I've... I've shown this movie to a lot of people. It's one of my favorite horror movies and I don't think I've ever met someone who dislikes it. No, it's this good. is great. A fantastic it, movie. Well, it, I mean, and you can't dislike the, it. I mean, I understand like Cronenberg stuff like if you're if you're looking at like The Fly and other body horror films. I know that those take you know things above and beyond, but if if you like body horror, you can't um, ignore and 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 even if Rich isn't getting at just that aspect, I am because even if you hated the story, even if you hated um, the whole premise of of the entire film, the the fact of the matter is is that you the, can't deny that that wolf the, transformation the special, hurt you a little bit the too. The <laughs> special effects were ahead of its time at this point in the eighties. It was just it was disturbing. It, it, you you felt it. You you felt for the main character. And of course, Dee Wallace Stone has been, you know, she she was the one of the original 80s screen queens. Yeah. I mean, she's a golden girl. Yeah, she yeah, she, she was, was big when she was older. Cujo, Critters. I mean, she was been in all kinds of stuff. And you know, you felt her pain in this movie because you know, I can't go too far cuz like I said, we're trying to avoid spoilers, but she goes through a lot of hell in this movie. Yeah, and good. it's targeted at her. Yeah, I mean, this is and uh, and a lot of where you guys like werewolves, and these wolves were wolves. I mean, not not all fours, but like when you think of a werewolf, like nightmarish werewolves, these were nightmarish. These are not romantic. Yeah, these were not. (laughs) These were tall, lanky, disgusting, long-eared freak show werewolves. I found this this picture here. Yep. I mean, if you yeah, if you are a person who likes the human body aspect of horror, whether it be 
something horrible happening to it or just the exploitation of the nudity. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of them out there. My wife's like that. If there's if there is a nipple slip or someone getting horribly, <laughs> yeah. you know, flayed alive, she wants to watch it. She doesn't really go for the paranormal. So, I mean, they're out, you're out there. You're going to love this movie if well, you haven't and, seen it. And if, if you haven't seen it, it's got yeah, every exactly, element. Beautiful, exactly. beautiful and, people turning into horrific creatures painfully. And I think it's one of the only... The story, we, I, I actually think the story's pretty good. Well, and I think it's one of the only horror films I've seen that actually depicts a rape porno in the very beginning. <laughs> yes, I mean, this movie is very tied into lust, sex. Pornography. Uh, yeah. Uh, the the film. See, I still don't even know the very beginning of this film when she goes to meet Eddie in that porn theater. The film they're watching is a rape it I simulated. Actually, I actually assumed that it was eventually going to be a snuff film when yeah. I when I got older. When I yeah. saw it the first time, yeah. I was you know being a kid. Yeah, I was just it like, was oh, naked people. I mean, it, when it, you're it, older, you're like, where is this, this fucker is just, going? Like he <laughs> said, well, what he said about the Bava film before this is not the same with this. This is not a kids movie. Mm-mm. There's a lot of nudity and, like I said, rape and um, very, especially for a younger audience, even even older people that haven't seen a lot of horror. I mean, there's there's some body horror in this film that holds up. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. it, you know, you you know, you watch a lot of trash movie in your mm-hmm. early teens, mm-hmm. and and there's not a lot you revisit. And for me, this is one I still own, I still bust out, I still watch, I still show people. This is. Fantastic. My my only beef with it, uh, well, see, I can't I can't see it. Actually, I won't. No, even, no I can't. You don't have to because be, it's, be the, it's the, the end. Yeah. yeah, the the werewolf transformation at the end did not vibe with the rest, and they, and they could have argued. Well, it could have been um, who this person was on the inside, so they weren't as mean as the. But a, a werewolf is a werewolf. It didn't vibe. But beyond that. I feel that this is one of the a really, really good werewolf movie if you like werewolves. Especially. Which is, there's not a lot of good ones. Yeah, and there's not. And bad, you know, actually, Bad Moon, I really enjoyed too. I thought that was a really good one. That's not even on this list. Oh, um, with my other husband in it. Uh, I don't know if that was your other husband, but that, that movie. Jack no, no, that oh. was Wolf. That's Wolf. That was Wolf. Which. Mother. Has great albums. Yeah, <laughs> Wolf will never be on this. No, list. Wolf was a different type of werewolf. Movie. No, Wolf was a good movie. It, but it was, a, it was a different. Well, type it should though. not be on this. List. It was not Wolf to me. What didn't it scream? Been it, it didn't scream like straight horror either. It, I did, it, it had I a lot of like, drama. I do think that a missing. Not to just talk about. Well, we movie, shouldn't go off. But a miss, missing element that people don't appreciate about Wolf is that the casting agent did a fantastic job. Of casting people for their physical traits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You know, James Spader is clearly weaker than, mm-hmm. you know, Jack Nicholson. So even though it makes the end realistic where the younger one is weaker than the older one, Michelle Pfeiffer's eyes are already fucking basically feeling yeah. oh, it, it That helps with the director really not being that good. <laughs> so, well, but well, well, Wolf's, I, not, well, Wolf's the, worth watching, but well, Howling. Well, the only thing I'll say about the Wolf is I think the Wolf was more in line with Wolfman. Yeah. Yeah, well, that was more like a classic tale. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, Wolf is Wolf was a movie that had had a slightly better director would be on this list. Mm-hmm. But the but, Howling should be on this list. Yeah, I would, uh, in I, my opinion. Yeah, and Howling, I think it's right about where it needs to be. Yeah, Howling should stay on this list. Totally, this is one of my one of my favorite. Um, Just scroll up. This is one of my favorite <laughs> uh, werewolf movies. Besides, well, there's one on this list that's actually my all time favorite. 
um, for different reasons. Just, but we'll get to that later. Uh, I do like it more than the Howling. Um, I think it deserves where it's at. But the how I you cannot deny, and we're going to move on because we're we're starting to run up on time. Well, you didn't give it a rating yet. Four riches. Four, Four riches. riches. I will agree with you. I, and I I put an input because I know this one. I did four too. Yep. Four. And I did like an extra because, like I said, you best cannot, werewolf transformation. Yeah, you cannot. I've ever seen you cannot it hurt me. You cannot deny that that was one of the most grotesque body horror werewolf transitions. Four riches I all mean, around. You can't you can't deny it. No. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it was Eddie disgusting. Yeah. All right. So we'll move on to number 78, God Told Me To. And it was made in 1976 by Larry Cohen. And the, and Rich and I have a little bit of, um, he might have more experience with this director, but I know that the one that we watched together when he uh, acquired the Blu-ray was... Um, a Q, the winged serpent, which was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, he, he's a he loves it. But you know, and I I did I did not dislike it. So don't all get night I've heard if Richard you say was like feature features. This he, is one of the very last true ones ever made. He is actually stroking himself as we speak. He's I, done it since he got and here. And he keep, and he keeps repeating <laughs> Q Q. But anyway, no. But seeing as I have not seen this Larry Cohen movie. I'm going to leave it to Primo Richard, but Q the Winged Serpent is fantastic. Ma, it is something you should go see. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I will. And it's fitting that you say I'm stroking myself <laughs> because the lead actor died stroking himself. <laughs> exactly. Look that one up. With a belt. But anyway. No, oh, wait, hold on. <laughs> Somebody's looking it up. Yeah, I don't lie. I know my shit. Hey, and let's be respectful. That guy, he was, he was a good. A good actor and things much happen. better than his brother exactly well <laughs> revenge of the nerds bro. i don't care <laughs> that was panty raid but but anyway we've got bush oh no that was booger i'm sorry but uh but uh we so god told me to so this was a newer one on uh, uh for me that i just watched recently and <clears throat> i will tell you something right now i was Pleasantly surprised. I mean, the movie—you don't know what to expect. And when I went into it, I didn't know a lot about it. The movie opens up on a on a normal day in New York, um, busy. Everybody's heading to work. It's a it's an early morning, and a mass shooting starts. Everybody starts dropping. Somebody's uh, snipering people from from up above somewhere. Um, and the movie doesn't pull any punches, uh, and I couldn't tell if it was a little person or a kid, but I, I'm assuming it was a small child actually gets shot. They don't, um, they don't pull any punches there. And a cop, uh, the main character, shows up, and ends up, they, they locate the shooter. He's on a water tower, and he goes up and starts talking to this individual, and, and he's smart, and he says, you know, you're just, why are you killing? And he, and he says, I... Oh, you know, God told me to. And he says, well, now that we know each other, you can't kill me. The guy puts his gun in his face. and It just gets really weird. The man ends up committing suicide. A whole bunch of things start happening in the movie uh, where the police department starts getting calls from people saying that there there's going to be more murders. Uh, the same detective gets a call from somebody saying that a cop was going to kill five people in, a, in one of the parades that was going to go on in the city. They, 
launch this huge police presence. They're looking at everybody, and a cop does gun down five people exactly. The movie starts. Um, the the main I should say this: the main character is a very conflicted Catholic. He's religious, but he has his own problems. Um, he's having an affair. Moral, but not moral at the same time. He's very a very conflicted character. And as the movie starts starts to go on, there are more suicides, there are more deaths, there are things that start happening that start moving into very weird directions, whether it be religious, whether... And, and after every atrocious thing that happens in the movie, the only response from anybody who's about to die or who is captured is that God told me to do this. So that's what starts off the mystery. It's like, okay, who's God? Is this a cult? Is this... Um, is this really um, a divine entity telling these people to do these things? As the movie starts to move on, it starts to implicate possible alien involvement. It starts to implicate, you know, obviously cultist stuff, which we, we mentioned. It, start, it starts to go all over the place. And there are things that happen within the film that even make you question what, what you believe. Things are seen that... that make you actually even wonder if is it divine is it alien is it you know just somebody with with uh, with mind control i mean it's it's a very interesting movie i really enjoyed it um i even took i it was even uh, to the point where it, and you even start thinking maybe it's drugs like maybe these people are getting drugged like there's something in the water or something I and mean, it's it, it starts to plague the city and this detective actually spends most of the movie just trying to figure out what's going on he starts getting deeper and deeper and then as the movie starts going on uh, gang members start to actually use the excuse to kill cops or enemies um, and then just write something in blood that says God told me to and then you know law enforcement immediately thinks oh it's it's part of this epidemic or whatever you you'd want to call it and um, you can't pinpoint whether this is supernatural whether it's alien you know extraterrestrial whether it's drug induced and this one is actually kind of hard to review even after reading my notes because if I say too much I'll spoil the movie because there are things that occur you start finding out more and more about who people are in the film um, who they were birthed by who you know it, it's it's hard to talk about this one because of that but just know if you're looking for a movie that's really gonna kinda twist you up um, show some things that you know back in the 70s that are actually occurring more now mass shootings problems with law enforcement racism it aged well because some of the stuff that they that they show in this film is actually occurring more now than they were occurring then and and that was horror (laughs) and you know what's kind of sad about that was that that was considered horror in in 76 and now it's almost it's more commonplace in our time so this movie didn't just age well it was almost like it was uh prophesied well, you know, it's like that vengeance and machine thing, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, it's 20 years ago, it was fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. Now it's fuck you, do what they tell me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, exactly. Um, That's what's happening, man. <laughs> but it, it is kind of weird. It's like the movie was made 
almost like a, it was like foreshadowing what, what was going to happen. Now we, you know, back then, I mean, we've always had violence and and shootings and stuff like that. But we we're in an age now where where mass shootings are becoming more commonplace, suicides becoming more commonplace, and this movie kind of put that there uh, in that film. Um, in 76, I mean, stuff like if you put this out today, I don't know how well it would be taken. It held up well in the sense that the stuff that they were showing then to be like horror is now something that we're all sadly getting used to because it's just happening constantly. Mm-hmm. So I feel, you know, and there's a last line in the movie, which I won't quote, but when it was said, I, I looked at Crystal and I said, this is a four for me. I really enjoyed it. Four riches. Yep, four riches. I feel like um, you're going to get a little bit of everything in here. You're going to get religious um, implications, alien, uh, drug, cultist. This sounds... Yeah, it's it's an interesting film. Sounds like it'd be on your list. Yeah, and, and it's, it's just hard. I, I took all these notes on it when I was watching it, but it's actually hard for me to say anything no, because, I, because I'll spoil it. So it, this would yeah. be the top 100 horror? It would be in one of my top 100. Well, then I guess i got to watch it too. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. All right. Yeah. And I can't say it's just a hard one to talk about because anything I say could potentially ruin the movie. That's why I kind of left it vague, like drugs, alien, yeah. religious. Because yeah, yeah. it does, trust me, it does narrow down. And you, and you will you will eventually figure out what's going on. But, uh, but yeah, I'd say four. We'll move on. This is a, a Wes Craven gem. <laughs> a lot of people now. Now nobody listening should you know should have any excuse not to have seen Scream, nineteen ninety six. Yes, number seventy seven, right? Seven seventy seven, made in nineteen ninety six by Wes Craven, <coughs> one of the true masters of horror, right that there. Spider, true murder. Yeah, well, yeah, and and he <laughs> and honestly, he 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 is one of the masters of horror, right up there with John Carpenter. Now he. He had a few um, flops. You know, John Carpenter's late work started kind of losing steam, but his early stuff was always pretty good. Uh, Wes Craven had a couple, but he was still considered one of the masters of horror. He did some really fucked up shit in the 70s with uh, Last House on the Left and Hills Have Eyes. He did some obscure stuff like, like, what was a deadly friend and... Man. And you know some weird stuff. Serpent like the, in the rainbow. Serpent in the rainbow with the. Uh, Which is with, much better than people like. Yeah, to with Bill Pullman, and that's not on this list. Um, wow, I don't know if I put it in this, but it, everyone says it's terrible. It's that's a good, a good movie. movie. Good that movie. is, a, I really enjoy that. That movie. is a straight up voodoo zombie, but uh, movie. But you know, he he did a lot of cool stuff. You know, he did. Yeah, he, he he did some schlock stuff like Shocker, and you know, he he had his his time where he'd made movies that just weren't that great, but. No, but uh, he but he paved the way for a lot of different. Last House on the Left, the original was. Well, we'll, we'll, it's list. we'll get there. But you know, um, Scream. Scream was uh, who was it? Kevin Williams. Uh, Kevin, Kevin Williamson. Yeah, Kevin Williamson. When they came out with this movie, it kind of redefined the slasher genre, and. Rebirthed it. It rebirthed it, I guess. I guess that might be a better term. Yeah. It, it changed it to a satire of. I mean, it really was. I, I'm sorry. I mean, look at what Scream is. What's your favorite scary movie? 
It was a satire of all the slashers before it, but also paved its own way as a new style of slasher. Mm-hmm. And it did have some. It did have some intense scenes. It did have some some screwed up stuff going on in there. But really, what it was about it was deconstructing old horror slashers and shaping it into a new a generation new, of slashers. Yeah, new, new, new for new people. Exactly. New and I thought that was pretty genius. I mean, the first yeah. screen was really good. I actually it, liked the first two. It relaunched. It, rela- it really relaunched horror as popular. You know, horror was yep. fading away a little bit, mm-hmm. and Scream came out, and then it was back. And um, they, they had that way of making... Wes Craven and the writer, Kevin Williamson, mm-hmm. had that way of of stylizing th- into a way that, that um, resonated better with the, with the generation. It really well, did. Yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah. It, it, it messed with the formula. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, the iconic, you know... The, the fact that the biggest star died first, died before the credits even yep. rolled. Drew. Uh, yeah. you know, Poor Drew. You know, it borrowed. What it really did, I think, the best, which is never really given credit for, is somebody sat around, probably Kevin Williamson, I'm assuming, and watched all the slashers and took all the best elements of every slasher. You know, you have... The fucking with them over the phone from Black Christmas, mm-hmm. you know, you have... Or when a stranger calls. Yeah, you know, yeah, you have the yeah. staring out at them and, you know, luring them in from other movies. You know, you have the coming at them, you know, in your face from fucking the Friday the 13th. You have every element of every movie in there. Really, there isn't an homage or a scene that doesn't capture some great element of the movie. Not in there. Yeah. And, and so, it, yeah. And, and it all ties it together. And the plot was actually interesting. Well, the twist yeah. was unexpected. Yeah, exactly. You didn't expect it to be, you know, and for you, I, I find it hard to believe that there's a lot of people that haven't seen it, but we won't spoil it, but there's a good twist at the end. Now, mm-hmm. um, there's, like Rich, uh, Dose Rich was saying, it was... Uh, Secondo. It was... Uh, <laughs> they took all these different types of slasher films and they turned it up on their head turned them over on their heads and kind of reinvented it for themselves and they really did and I've said this now this is the second time I'm saying it they, they that was of, a new one coming out this year yeah they molded it That's how and you know what I, I wasn't a big fan of number three but I did like four I did like number four and mm-hmm. na- maybe number five here will be um, but, they, but they are in a way it's almost it, it is a satire it's 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 a satire of slashers. While oh, being a great oh, slasher. It's a great slasher being a satire and almost making fun of itself, but yet being totally um, just a great legit. slasher movie. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, like it's, it's such a weird thing. And I, yeah. thought it, I thought it was pretty genius. Now, are, you know, would I say they're my all-time favorites? No. Would, it make, would Scream 1 make it on my list? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think it would because... And I mean, maybe, maybe even number two, because I, I liked number two as I well. I think the reason yeah. Scream 1 makes on this is because of the fact that, you know, we talked about the Blair Witch Project. Mm-hmm. I mean, it reinvented the slash. Yeah, it brought it, it into did. the mainstream one. Well, we both said it. revitalized it. Yeah. horror. And then mm-hmm. the big thing, too, that it did was, you know, and I don't know which one, Wes Craven or Kevin Williamson, but the slasher evolved from like Jallos and mystery movies where the killer was going crazy 
to just about the kills. Mm -hmm. And Scream was someone going, wait a minute, the reason these originally were interesting is we were trying to figure out who the fuck did it. Yep. Not just and watch they, the kills. Exactly, and they die and, and they dive so far into yeah, like like having the movie like it's, having the movie buff and yeah. having having the, the camera guy and well, all, it's, you know, Yeah, it's a yeah. gateway horror movie yeah. because someone that just casually likes horror but is interested in mysteries will actually like Scream. Yeah. And at the end love the twist, be surprised. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you know and, and, and I think it's great. I, I think this was totally worth being on. Yeah, I, I do too. Scream was great. So I would give it... Honestly, I don't think there's really a flaw in this movie. It's cast well. It's I don't know directed I, well. I'd give it four, Richie. Yeah, I wouldn't give it five. Oh, no, no. It's not five stars. But I'd give it a, I'd give it a four. Easy. Yeah, it's, it's not four, yeah, Richie's. And there, and there four are, riches and there are all people. around. And it's totally... It's not even like what we were talking about earlier where it was a four, you know, three and a half, four. This is... Kind of like in the mouth of madness, where we totally agree. It's it's one of those things like this movie, and I and do, it also and, didn't just revitalize horror. <coughs> not to interrupt you, but it revitalized the Fonz. Yeah, the Fonzie. <laughs> poor bastard <laughs> dies. Right? But but uh, but he, but oh, poor Winkler. <laughs> but, but you know, he, uh, what you were saying. But you know. I, I do still give some credit to Wes Craven. I mean, when you look at some of his achievements, he has some bombs, yes. But when he hits, he hits. Mm-hmm. Well, he's a risk taker. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you can see it in every single one of his yep. movies, and it doesn't always work out. It, 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 either, it either pushes boundaries, which Last House on the Left, Hills Have Eyes, or... Or, or it, this one. Or this one, or... it yeah, ex- yeah, exactly. Or he comes out with something that is considered a masterpiece, like Nightmare on Elm Street. And, you know, it's like one of those things. Well, I mean, that's the thing why this movie... I think the reason that this movie isn't a five-star movie, like some of his movies uh, we can, we'll talk about later, you know, a five rich movie, I, I, is that the, the idea is is that Scream, he knew his audience, yeah. and he went hard mm-hmm. after teenagers, and there isn't any tricky camera work. There isn't any, like, you know, anything that would push it to where... You know, we've given Dracula five We've given yeah. In the Mouth of Man. It's not here, but as far as pure enjoyment. Yeah, it's great. This might be the one movie on the list that everyone who watches it will enjoy. Yep. Yes. I can agree with that. All right. I loved it. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and I've actually been introducing her to more um, Wes Craven stuff. I, I just actually took Crystal to see um, Nightmare on Elm Street on the big screen. But you weren't able to go beautiful. to that. It was beautiful. Let me tell you right now. It was a whole um, different world. It was great. It was. Uh, I have never gotten to see Nightmare because obviously it came out. I think went right when I was born. <laughs> it's like or maybe a year before. Um, before you were glimmering. Well, let's uh, save, save that thought. You know, yeah, I know, but, but, at time, but at the same time, well, I'm not getting into it, oh. but. Uh, She's been seeing more and more of his stuff. Yeah, Wes Craven's a master. And, you, you know, he really is. I mean, and he did have some some shit. Shocker. I mean, and that was Ter- a good... Terrible actor, though. Yeah. Yes, he is. Yeah. As you know from Wes Craven's new nightmare. Wes Craven's new nightmare. And he tried to get back into it with his brief stint on Castle, playing himself. I didn't and see that, he can't that, even play himself well. <laughs> I didn't see that. Well, he's playing himself in Wes Craven's new nightmare. I have to uh, and, and he was And he was totally... He, he's a terrible actor. Yeah, but... 
He's playing a fictionalized version of himself. Yeah, but it was him. Yeah, it, he, yeah. he was still Wes Craven. Yeah, yeah. And he was still writing a script. Because, but... I mean, there's yourself and then there's yourself. Yeah. You know who's good at, uh, at uh, just completely making themselves just complete trash? Mm. Unless he is just complete trash. He doesn't realize everyone's making fun of him. Quentin Tarantino. Oh. No. Every yeah. movie where Steven Seagal plays himself, he's the biggest asshole. Yeah, yeah. So either he's the biggest asshole and really is like, literally goes, yeah, that's how I act. Or he's got a good sense of humor. That's Somewhere right. in between. Yeah. <laughs> you know who's also a horrible actor, I, I realize, is John Carpenter. Well, mm-hmm. well I watched him Great on... musician. Yeah, good musician. You, no, you, you can't go wrong with John Carpenter on most things, but when I saw Body Bags... I was gonna say, is Did that the one where he's enough? like standing? He's like, a, he's the mortician telling us. He's like, guy. hey, hey, worst acting I've ever seen. He was worse than Wes Craven <laughs> and Steven Seagal if they had a love child. Steven Seagal is worse playing himself than playing. If yeah, Steven Seagal playing himself birthed Wes Craven baby from his anus. That would still be a better actor than, than John Carpenter. That said it all. But here we go. So number 76, The Thing from Another World, 1951. This is, yeah, 76. Uh, this was the original. Based uh, off a of famous novella. Yeah, yep, and you, know, you heard us talking about John Carpenter. Although we were poking fun, or I was, at John Carpenter, He's still one of my favorite horror movie directors, and his version of the thing is is my all time probably number one favorite movie. But it originated from somewhere. There was a novella. There was the 1951 classic thing from another world, and different type of scenario. It, it, it's well, it's a it's a similar scenario. The creature is different. Yes, well, that's what I'm talking about. He wasn't. Yes, this, funny enough, for anyone who, I mean, I've read a lot of old horror, uh, and anyone familiar with the villain, John Carpenter's The Thing is closer to the book. The, the, the changing it into a plant-type creature uh, is specific for this version. But um, they, they, they still have the iconic um, running out of the shelter on fire scene, which they did include in, in you know, John Carpenter's yeah. version. But, but this one, he's a... Much different creature. This Much is this creature. is a this is a plant based life form, yeah. like Day of the Triffids. Yeah, you know there was a lot of plant horror mm-hmm. in the fifties. There really was actually. Yeah, wasn't yeah. There? and yeah. you know the atomic age and worrying mm-hmm. about what would happen to the environment and everything bled in. You know, and but this is a great movie. This is a great film, in my opinion. Uh, this is one of the few. I think golden era or what are they called the silver age right that's the silver age uh, movies that um, you know I think holds up well enough for a modern audience there's a there's some interesting camera work the acting's pretty decent the story it moves quickly the storyline moves quickly the I, I think this holds up well uh, I think this is uh, something modern audiences would enjoy, even though it's black and white and all the actors in it are long well, since died. <laughs> well, I can tell you right now, if you like, like he, I actually mentioned Day of Triffids earlier. Mm-hmm. <coughs> if you like those types of movies, them, you liked. Uh, this you know, is better that, than that. Yeah, what well, yeah, it is, yeah, but but if you like like those types of, you know, creature features from the fifties. And this is one I've actually seen. This is well. This is yeah. This is the yeah. This is one of the top tier. Exactly, top it is top tier. Yeah. 
And, and if you like, uh, you know, would I include this on my top? Richard, my, you know, Dos Rich, my, I probably wouldn't. Um, it is top tier, but I also I also watch on a more consistent basis different types of, of horror. That, but this was a top tier sci-fi horror film, and that's the one thing you got to understand. It was all it wasn't just horror; it was sci- science fiction. Mm-hmm. And um, if you kind of like those those mixes, you want a little science fiction, you want a little bit of horror. Um, you you are okay with classic films. Good acting, and there's still some pretty for 1951. There are some good special effects in this movie. No, I think the I think the special <laughs> effects hold up yeah. really well in this movie. I think the shots. I mean, this is this is a movie. You know, we're blessed. We're from Reno, and we're blessed to have Zombo. You know, which is a low rent. Oh my. You know, Elvira. He's been doing it forever. You know, and if you're up late watching Zombo on a Saturday night and they play this, this is one you're going to enjoy. Yeah, you you're going to love it. You will not dislike yeah. it. It's and got that nostalgic, you know, man, this is a real class. This is what, and, and if you remember, if I remember correctly, when you watch John Carpenter's uh, Halloween, this is what the young boy that Jamie Lee Curtis is, you know, who, who she's babysitting is watching on Halloween night. Mm-hmm. This is the movie he's watching. Oh, this is the movie that inspired all yeah. of the people that made the movies you're watching yeah. now. So, so honestly, it's it's something to watch. But for me, would I watch it constantly? No. For me, it wouldn't probably be on my top 100. I have a lot of my own ideas. But, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah no, I mean, I think for me... For the podcast. For me, this would be in my top 100 would it be this high? And this is coming from a lover of the classics. I don't think so. We're what, at 76? Yeah, we are at 76. So we're at 76. So, and I, mean, I, I just... I, I just... I don't I just, I, don't I, see, just, I, just I, don't I think that, you know, age is a factor. And unfortunately... You know, there is more. There is stories that hold up better in classic cinema. And then what's interesting is a lot of the stories that hold up better aren't even on this list, which I'll get to as we get to some of the later movies. But there's serial killer movies. There is child terror movies. There is boogie. You know, with all these types that hold up better, this is a monster movie. It is. And, you know, I get that they don't make many monster movies now. But in the 90s and in the early 90s, late, most of the 80s, a lot of the 70s, there's just better monster movies. Yeah. And so uh, I I would put this no higher than 90, but I think it would be on my I just I just don't know, though, because I think, although I will admit, it, it, is, it is up there. I, I, would admit, I will admit that there are um, good, you know... That this movie was influential and that it was a classic and that it actually paved the road for more sci-fi horror. I get that. And like I said, it was even featured in some of the most iconic horror films. Mm-hmm. Halloween, like I said. It's what he's watching. What's what's the little kid? I can't remember his name right off the top of my head, but the little kid that she's babysitting is watching. They're horrified. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, Tommy, I oh. think. Tommy and the little girl are like, oh, you know. You know, everybody was influenced by this. Oh, I mean, no, this is but, a great movie. But I just feel like, I just feel like, you know, it's not something 
I don't know. There's there's things I'd put above it, but I I would still give it a good four. Oh, this is I would, I would give it four and a half. So I'll settle a four. This I'd is a say four, four rich movie. Yeah, I'd say four. Um, but for you listeners out there, I know we were saying we might speed it up, but the problem is we're starting to get into movies that we have a lot of opinions about. Um, we did good though. We did good yeah. this episode. So well, we're, we knocked so, out a lot of movies. So yeah, we we, out, how many did we knock out? Eight. Eight so 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 what we're gonna do? I know it's taking us a while, but the next few movies that are coming up: uh, Tenebrae and American Werewolf in London and Antichrist and well, Don't give them all away. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not. Tell, I got just telling you what we're gonna hit. Yeah. These movies are. We're gonna take some time on these. I can guarantee you. And and Rick, uh, Dose Ridge. <laughs> When I both mm. just watched Tenebrae just recently, I just rewatched it. He just watched it. Man, for the it's first. gonna be fresh on your mind. We're gonna have some stuff to say about that one and American Werewolf in London. I know I will have some stuff to say about. I do too. I love that one. Yeah, it's one of my. <laughs> it is actually one of my favorite werewolf movies ever. I made. love it. I've seen like four. Antichrist. Of Antichrist. Nobody really enjoys. Oh. But, but I've I've seen it twice. So I I'm going to help you on that yeah, one because so, I got some shit to say. Yeah, yeah, you can say that too. So Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, iconic horror film. Well, yeah, don't give it all away. Don't give it all away. We'll so, get up the list. You know, I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of giving you guys a preview. It's not going to hurt you. We're going well, we to be talk here for about when we talk about Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. So, so we don't have enough time at this point to talk about these because we go well into, you know, midnight, which we're not going to do. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll get back with you. We have a, a really good mix of movies, and and you know a top one hundred is great for content. You guys will get to hear about a lot of this stuff, and we'll be back with you next week. Rich, <laughs> Dose Rich, Primo Rich, the most interesting man in the world. That's right. right. Hey, Dose Kiss Rich. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys. Well, thanks for listening, and we are out. We- Oh, son.